Today, we are going to continue our series entitled Small Faith, and uh, last Sunday, uh, we gave everybody one of these little mustard packets, and I brought mine back with me because I just enjoyed shaking this thing last Sunday. And uh, so, last week, we began talking about small faith, and we wanted to put a little packet in your hand last Sunday uh, for a simple reminder. We want you to understand today that you already have everything you need to live the life God has called you to live. You already have everything that you need to live the life that God has called you to live. So look at that first point. So we said small faith is really a shift in our thinking. we got to change the way we think because we have believed the lies of the enemy and we have allowed the devil to deceive us and bring us into a place where we're coming short of the glory of God. How many of you understand that's really the definition of sin, to miss the mark or to come short of the glory of God? And unfortunately, we are coming short of the glory of God because we have believed the lies of the enemy specifically around the element of faith and what it takes for us to receive. So we've got to shift our thinking from a place where I'm no longer disqualified. I am now qualified to receive everything that God has for me because that's exactly what faith does. Faith qualifies you to receive everything that God has purposed and God has planned for your life. Matthew chapter 17, the Bible says that the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? If you remember the story, uh, the man brought his son who had been demon possessed. He had a paralytic spirit and he was suffering with seizures and the devil was trying to kill him. And he brought him to the disciples and the disciples couldn't cast it out. And they came to Jesus and said, Lord, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, Because of your unbelief, literally no faith, that's what that word means, no faith. Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for who? Y'all with me? Nothing will be impossible for who? For you. And nothing will be impossible for you. Look at that next point. We said Jesus didn't say we needed big faith. Right? We don't need big faith and we don't need more faith. One of the lies of the enemy is that we put faith in our faith, right? And people say all the time, well, if I just had more faith, if I had a bigger faith, if I had a stronger faith, I want to tell you today, you don't need more faith. You don't need bigger faith. You don't need stronger faith. You've got enough faith. Come on, somebody. If you've got the faith of a mustard seed, then you've got enough faith to move every mountain in your life. You've got enough faith to overcome every obstacle, tear down every stronghold, and walk in every promise and provision that God has for your life. You're not lacking. You're not disqualified. You are fully qualified to receive what God has. I'm going to hold on to this. I enjoy it. Come on, somebody. God has already given us enough faith. Look at that next point. We said God's already given us enough faith to move every mountain in our lives, and the proof is in our salvation because if we have enough faith to be saved, then we have enough faith. We agreed last Sunday that the greatest miracle is the miracle of salvation and transformation that happens when you get born again. When you get delivered out of darkness and translated in the kingdom of life, when you go from being a slave to sin to being a son or a daughter of God, when you go from living in bondage and separation and isolation to being accepted, adopted, and beloved, loved in Christ Jesus, that is the greatest miracle that can ever happen. You go from hell to eternity in heaven because of small faith in a big God. Come on, somebody. Small faith in a big God changes your eternal life, and we've got to shift the way we think because here's the tragedy of what has happened. We understand it's simple to get saved, right? People talk about that. I've never seen anybody tell somebody, well, you can't get saved because it takes big faith. 
Now, as a matter of fact, we, we break it down so simple, and we say all you got to do is believe in your heart and confess in your mouth, Lord Jesus Christ, and you can be saved. If you'll just believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day, and you're willing to ask him to forgive your sins, be your Lord and your Savior, you can be saved. And we tell people that, and guess what? It's true. And guess what? It works. Amen? Anybody experienced it? I mean, it was that simple. All you had to do is believe and confess in your mouth, and you're saved. It was really that simple. And what happens is, is we come to a place, we've got to shift our thinking, because we say it's simple to get saved, but then listen to Christians, but it's hard to get healed. It's hard to get your breakthrough. Boy, I never knew it was so hard to live for Christ. I never knew it was so hard to have a godly marriage. I never knew it was so hard to raise godly kids. I never knew it was so hard to be blessed and to prosper. I never knew it was so hard to really find freedom over my flesh. I mean, I just keep struggling with the same old thing and the same old thing and the same old thing. And it sure is hard to get free. No, 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 no. You got to change the way you think. Because the same faith that delivered you from a devil's hell is the same faith that will deliver you from bondage and sickness and disease, the same faith that will heal your body, the same faith that will restore your mind, the same faith that will bless your family, the same faith. Come on, somebody. The same faith. And the reality is, is we've got to shift the way we think. We've got to stop thinking it's hard. It's not hard. Come on, it's easy. All you've got to do is believe. To believe. And if you've got enough faith to be saved, you've got enough faith to be healed, to be delivered, to prosper, to succeed, and to have everything that God has purposed and planned for your life. Small faith is the difference, we said, between touching Jesus and receiving from Jesus everything that you need. We read the story in Mark chapter 5 of the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, and we talked about how that everybody touched Jesus, but only one person received from Jesus. Everybody touched him. Everybody goes to church, but not everybody in church receives the same thing. Come on. Everybody in here came to church, but not everybody's going to receive the same thing. And it's not going to be the singers or the preacher. It's going to be your faith. Woo! Good preaching, Pastor Keith. It's not the singers and the preacher that determines what you receive. It is your faith. Well, I just don't believe I can enter into worship. Well, then you won't. Well, I just don't believe Pastor Keith has anything to say that I need. Well, then you won't. But if you walk in here and say, man, I believe this team's anointed. I believe Pastor Keith is anointed. I believe Liberty Church is the house of God, the place of God, and anointed by God. Then every time you walk through the door, you'll be blessed. You'll receive the provision, the healing, and the deliverance. Because guess what? People are getting saved. People are getting healed. People are getting blessed. People are getting delivered, and if not you, then here's the reason why. I'm preaching a whole lot better than y'all are shouting right now. According to your faith. Look at that next point. Here's where we're going today. God never asks us, I want you to see this, God never asks us to do the impossible, but he does ask us to believe that the impossible is possible. God never asks us to do the impossible, but he does ask us to believe that the impossible is possible. And we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11, and we're just going to work through a lot of scriptures in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. And in Hebrews 11, the Bible recounts many of the miracles and signs and wonders of the Old Testament, amazing things that God did as he showed up and showed out in the hearts and lives of people. And what we're going to see today is that God never asked one person in Hebrews 11 to do the impossible. 
He never asked them to do the impossible. He just asked them to believe that the impossible was possible. We got to shift the way we think. Because we've already disqualified ourselves because we think, well, I can't do that. Well, I can't heal that person. Well, God's not asking you to heal that person. He's just asking you to pray healing over them. Well, I can't save that person. God's not asking you to save them. God's just asking you to share the gospel with them so they can get saved. Well, God, I can't do that. You don't have to. God never asked you to do the impossible. He only asked you to believe to believe, mustard seed faith, that the impossible is possible. Look at Hebrews 11 verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not not seen. Look at that next point. So faith, I want you to see this. Faith expects the good. That's what hope is. Hope is an expectation of good. Faith expects the good that God has promised and faith sees what God says as a reality. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The world tells us all the time, don't get our hopes up. But God says, if you don't get your hopes up, nothing's going to change. There has to be an expectation of faith. So I want you to see this. Faith releases, hear me, faith releases an expectation of faith that expects the good. How do you know you're in faith? Because you expect good things to happen. Think about that for just a second. How do you know you're in faith? You know you're in faith because faith releases an expectation of good. You know you're in faith when you expect good things to happen. Now let's flip the coin. Because unfortunately, we we identify with the opposite side of that a little more. How do you know you're in fear? Because you expect bad things to happen. Well, it seems like no matter how I try, I never get ahead. You know, I always get to right here, and just when I think, feel like things are about to change, something always happens, I wonder what's going to happen now. I'm just waiting on the next shoe to drop, you know. We never really can get out of debt. I mean, we get really close to getting out of debt, and then something happens and something tears up. I wonder what's going to happen next. Man, our marriage, we, we do good for a little while, and then we always hit these bumps in the road, and man, we're on the top of a mountain right now, so I wonder what's going to happen next. So you know you're in fear because you expect bad things to happen. You know you're in faith when you expect the goodness of God. David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because I'm anointed by God. I'm led by God. I'm provided by God. I'm favored by God. I'm loved by God. I'm surrounded by God. He lives in me. He goes before me. He stands behind me. And good, 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 good things are going to happen in my life. Because that's what faith does. Faith releases an expectation for good, and you begin to expect good things. Faith not only releases an expectation of good, but faith sees what God says. Faith sees what God says as a reality. Faith releases spiritual vision to see what God says is becoming real in your life. It's done. See, when you're in faith, you see the promise as a reality. You see the marriage restored. You see your body healed. You see you walking in prosperity and blessing. You see your children restored. You see salvation in your household. You see favor on your job. You see the goodness of God in all that you do. When you're in faith, you have spiritual eyes that see what God says. And you see it as a reality. 
every now and then, people will ask me, Pastor Keith, boy, 22 years ago, July the 5th will be our 22nd anniversary. And every now and then people say, Pastor Keith, boy, did you ever imagine it was going to be this big? You started out 22 years ago, a little storefront building with three couples with nothing. Did you ever imagine it was going to be this big? And it almost sounds arrogant to tell them the truth. Because the truth is, I see it bigger than this. We have just begun, guys. 22 years, we're just getting started. 22 years ago, God showed me North Alabama's greatest church, shaking the nations for the glory of God, changing souls, saving souls, making disciples, destroying the works that we're just getting started. Buckle up, hold on tight. We're in for a journey. Come on, somebody. If you could see what I'd see, whoo. If you could see what I'd see, you'd be hunkering down and finding your place in this church because we're going somewhere. And you'd want to be a part of what God is doing in this house. You would refuse to be an attender. You would be engaged in what God is doing because we're going to change the world. Because faith sees. Faith sees what God says as a reality. And when I look at Liberty Church, I see North Alabama's greatest church. Early on, I had somebody tell me, Pastor Keith, you really shouldn't say that. That sounds arrogant and proud. No, it sounds like faith. What are we going to say? I see us being like every other church. Well, if we're going to be like every other church, we ought to shut the doors down because we don't need every other church. We need a Liberty Church, just like we need a First Baptist Church, and we need a First Methodist Church, and we need a First Nazarene Church. We need every church being the church God has called them to be, and we're not called to be every church. We're called to be Liberty Church. Come on. I done preached myself happy this morning. Faith expects the good. Faith sees what God says is around. Look with me in Hebrews 11, verse 6. So let's talk about this. God never asks us to do the impossible. Never ask us to do the impossible. But he does ask us to believe the impossible is possible. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith it's impossible. Nothing's impossible with faith, but without faith it's impossible. Faith makes the impossible possible because faith connects us to God. Amen? Look at verse 7. By faith, y'all say that with me. By faith. Say it real loud. Say it like you mean it. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. By faith, Noah built a boat. Let me just tell you something about what Noah did. It wasn't impossible. Noah wasn't the first guy to build a boat. And Noah wasn't the last guy to build a boat. God said, Noah, I want you to build a boat. That's not impossible, guys. It was a big boat, yeah. Was it a hard job? Absolutely. Took him a hundred years. But it wasn't impossible. Other people have built boats, not one that big. We've built bigger boats since then. Come on, it wasn't impossible. 
It wasn't impossible. God said, Noah, build a boat. Noah built the boat, and guess what God did? God provided the animals, and God sent the rain, and God flooded the earth. You know what Noah did? Noah built a boat, but he built it by faith. He had an expectation that something was coming. See, it's faith that make you persist. You think after one year he was tired, after five years he was tired, after 80 years of building this boat that still wasn't done yet. David, don't you love working on a project that takes 100 years? I love construction guys, because most construction guys want to get in and they want to get out. And if they hang out too long on one job, they get, a little, they get a little agitated. I've been here too long. I've been here too long. I've been here too long. A hundred years! Wasn't impossible, though. Was it impossible? But he had an expectation. And he could see something other people didn't see. So he kept building Let me tell you something, it's not impossible. The Bible says he prepared the ark for the saving of his household. It's not impossible for you to create a safe place for your family to grow up. It's not impossible. It's not impossible, parents, hear me. It's not impossible for you to have the passwords and the codes to every social media account that your child has. It's not impossible for you to look at their phone on a regular basis and see who they're talking to and what they're talking about and who they're connecting with. It's not impossible. It's not impossible for you to walk in the room every now and then and raise up the mattress and see if there's something under it. It's not impossible. It's not impossible that every now and then you might have to take the door off the hinges. It's not impossible. Come on, it's not impossible. It's not impossible to raise godly kids in this world. It's not impossible to have a godly marriage. It's not impossible, men, women, for you to have a date night. It's not impossible for you to read a devotional with your spouse every night before you go to sleep. It's not impossible to gather the family together once a week and have a family meal and sit at the table. It's not impossible. But you listen to people, man, it's just so hard to have a godly marriage. It's just so hard to have godly kids. It's just so hard to keep our kids out of trouble. No, 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 no. It may be hard, but it's not impossible. And if you'll build the boat, God will do the saving. If you'll build the boat, God will send the animals. If you'll build the boat, God will send the rain. If you'll build the boat, God will shut the door when the door needs to be shut. And just at right time, everything you need will be provided for if you'll build the boat. Look at that next verse, verse 8. Y'all say it with me. By, out loud, really loud, by. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, Abraham obeyed. He stepped out in faith. God said, Abraham, I want you to pack up and go to a land that I'm going to give you. Well, where's it at? Well, just pack up and go. Well, where am I going? Just pack up and go. How many of you know it's not impossible for you to pack your bags and go? It's not impossible for you to step out and pray faith, and God says, I want you to pray for them. You're like, well, Lord, I don't even know them. God says, I want you to pray for them. Well, God, I don't even know them. Lord, the Lord said, I want you to pray for them, but God, I don't even know them. It's not impossible for you to step out and say, sir, do you mind if I pray for you? How many know that's not impossible? It's not impossible for you to give somebody $20 when you got $20 in your pocket, and the Holy Spirit says, I want you to bless them. I want you to give that to them. It's not impossible to obey God. It's not impossible. God's never think about it. I want you to think for a second. Really think. Has God ever asked you to do anything impossible? I can answer it no. He never has. 
pray, give, tithe, honor, bless, serve, get up early, stay up late, go out of your way, love them like I want you to love them, care for them like, he's never asked you to do anything impossible. And by faith, Abraham obeyed and God provided the place. God provided the inheritance. God provided the provision. God provided everything that they needed for their life to be what God called it to be. Look at the next verse. Verse 11, by faith. Say it with me, by. Say it really loud, by. This is a loud side of the church. Y'all got to help me out over here, okay? I feel like I'm in children's church at VBS again. Here we go. All right, on the count of three, I want everybody real loud. One, two, three, by. Hey, that's what the house of God ought to sound like. By faith, Sarah herself, y'all are good, I like that. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him, speaking of God, faithful who had promised. By faith, Sarah received strength to have a child. She was barren and she was past the age of bearing children. But guess what? Sarah could not have a child, but Sarah could believe God. Sarah didn't have to get pregnant. She just had to believe that God could give her a baby. Well, God, I can't get pregnant. The doctors have already said. The doctors have already told me. We've done had all the tests. We've done had all the research. And God, I can't get pregnant. And God, we can't get pregnant. And God, we can't have a baby. I want to tell you something. You don't have to get pregnant. You don't have to have a baby. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is believe that God wants to give you the desires of your heart. Mark 11 says that whatsoever you desire when you pray, whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe you'll receive it and it'll be yours. Now, we're all mature enough in this room. God's not talking about sinful things, horrible things. And you know what I know? When I talk to Christians, most Christians, they're not desiring bad stuff. They're desiring good stuff. They want to provide for their family. They want to have children. They want to have a good marriage. They want to have a better job. They want to have a new career. They want to feel like their life's making a difference. They want to pay the electric bill on time. (laughs) Come on, somebody. How many know all that stuff's good and all that stuff's God? Whatever you desire when you pray, just believe you receive it, and it'll be yours. Sarah did not have to get pregnant. She couldn't. Come on, somebody. She couldn't get pregnant. It was not in her. But she could believe that God would give her a baby, and he did. She could believe, and he did. The desire of your heart is not about, well, Pastor Keith, I just don't see how it can ever happen. You don't have to know how it's going to happen. I'm just going to tell you, North Alabama's greatest church, I don't know how we're going to get there, but I believe it's going to happen. And because I believe it's going to happen, I'm going to stay in the game. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not walking away. I'm not throwing down my mustard. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to keep the faith. I'm going to keep on keeping on in faith. Why? Because I don't have to be able to do it. I just have to believe that God can do it. Look at the next verse. By faith, verse 21. By faith. Y'all say it with me. By faith. 
Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, which was Ephraim and Manasseh, and worshiped leaning on the top of his staff. When he was dying, he blessed the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning on the top of his staff. Joseph was at the end of his life, and at the end of his life, leaning on his staff, he blessed Ephraim and Manasseh. And you know how he blessed them? He blessed them that they would multiply and be great nations. I believe our blessings are way too small. When's the last time you blessed your children and declared that they would be a mighty nation for the glory of God? Well, Pastor Keith, you're just getting weird. No, I'm getting biblical. When's the last time you blessed your children and told them they were going to shake a nation for the glory of God? That they were called, they were anointed, they were blessed, they were highly favored, and that God was going to use them to change a generation for the glory of God. When's the last time you blessed your children? Well, that kind of blessing. He blessed them in faith. Why? Because he was dying. He knew that physically and financially, he was not going to be there to help them. He wasn't going to be able to do anything. So guess what he did? He believed. He just believed that God wanted to prosper his children. He just believed that his grandchildren were going to be mighty for God. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How about you? When you have faith, you bless. You bless your job, you bless your family, you bless your car, you bless your career, you bless your finances. And when you have fear, hear me, when you have fear, you curse. When you're afraid, you curse. You know the only people that curse their lives are people that are afraid of living it. I used to curse money. You know why I cursed money? Because I didn't know how to handle it. I was afraid. I was afraid we weren't going to have enough money. I was afraid we weren't going to be able to pay the bills. And so I'd say really smart things like this. I hate money. I wish we didn't have to have money. If I could just live without money, I'd love to live without money because I hate it. Fear causes you to curse. You'll curse your job. You'll curse your family. You'll curse your children. You'll curse yourself. When you're afraid... You'll begin to curse your own body. The doctor gives you a diagnosis, and if you allow fear to take over, you'll start cursing your body. Well, the doctor said, I'm not going to live. Well, the doctor says, I'm not going to make it through the year. Well, the doctor says, my health is going to decline. Well, the doctor says, nothing's ever going to change. Well, the doctor says, and the doctor says, and the doctor says, praise God for the doctor, but he's a diagnoser of demons, not God. The, do- the doctor tells me how to fight, but he doesn't tell me what my victory is. And praise God for doctors that'll tell you the truth and won't sugarcoat it, but at the end of the day, I'm going to believe God. Faith blesses. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm redeemed. I'm getting stronger and stronger. I'm getting better and better. My latter years are going to be better than my former years. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to live to be 120 years old. I'm going to walk to my own grave, and I'm going to preach my own funeral. I've told my kids that their whole life. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I guess I'm going to video it. I don't know, but I'm going to preach my own funeral because I'm my favorite preacher. Come on, somebody. Fear curses. Faith blesses and you know you're in faith when you bless and you know you're in fear when you curse if you're raising adult children that are not serving God it's easy to allow fear to curse your children 
well, they're never going to change. They're never going to figure it out. Man, it just seems like no matter how much we pray, nothing ever happens. No, faith blesses. We bless our children. We call those things that are not as though they were. Because God is faithful who has promised. Amen? A couple more verses. Y'all still good? Hebrews eleven twenty three. Say it with me. By one more time, by by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. I love this story. By faith, he was hidden for three months by his parents. I love how the scripture says, because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid, they were not afraid, they were not afraid of the king's command. Now, you know what's interesting about the story of Moses? The Bible does not tell us that Moses' mother and father had a special word from God. All it tells us is that when they saw their little baby, they said, he's beautiful. He's the prettiest, most special boy to ever be born on planet Earth. And isn't that what normal parents do? <laughs> See, we're about to have our first grandchild, and Xander's going to be the most beautiful, special son on the planet. I'm sorry. I can done tell you he's going to be amazing. Because that's what parents do, right? Every mom looks at their kid and, oh, she's so beautiful. He's so beautiful. They're amazing. And Moses' parents hid him for three months because they saw the beauty of the Lord in their child. They thought, hear me, they thought and they believed, hear me, they believed he was special. See, the problem is we don't believe that. Well, we're just, I'm just a real old nobody, you know, Pastor Keith. I don't know how God could ever use me. Well, our family, we've never done it. Nobody in our family's ever went to college. Nobody in our family's ever, you know, everybody in my family's divorced. And everybody in my family's this. And everybody in my family's this. And, you know, I don't think anything good could ever happen to us. We're not special. That's because you're deceived. They believed he was special. They believed he was chosen. They believed he had a purpose and a plan birthed in him by God. That's why you can't give up on your kids. That's why you can't kill them when they're teenagers. They are special. They are chosen. They are anointed. I love the scripture in Malachi where it says that God will pour out his spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I pray that regularly over my children. God, I thank you that my children will prophesy. My sons and my daughters will prophesy. Your word will be like fire shut up in their bones in the name of Jesus. They will speak the word and mountains will fall and demons will tremble. The sick will be healed and the lost will be saved. Why? Because you are special. You're special. And all Moses' parents did was believe that. They believed he was special. And then when the time came, they couldn't hide him anymore. They put him in a little ark. They set him out on the river. And God let the guy that was going to kill him pay to raise him. He was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. The guy that executed the command to kill all the baby boys was the guy that paid to raise the deliverer. 
that was going to break the back of Egyptian oppression and lead the children of Israel into the promised land that God had for them. And all his parents did was believe. He's somebody. He's somebody. Look at the next verse. By faith, he, Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the kings, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as dry land, whereas the Egyptians to doing so were drowned. By faith, they forsook Egypt. By faith, he kept the Passover. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea. I want everybody to do this with me. I want you to stick your hand out just like this. Everybody just stick your hand out just like this. That's what Moses did. Moses was a shepherd. And he had extended his rod, and he had extended his rod, and he had extended his rod over and over again. Thousands of times he had picked up that rod. Thousands of times he had used that rod. Thousands of times he had leaned on that rod. And one day God says, Moses, uh, we're going to come to the Red Sea, and uh, I want you to just uh, stick out your rod. Moses extended his rod in faith. There was an expectation that God was going to do something. Let me tell you what Moses did not think. Moses never once thought, when I stick out my rod, I'm going to part the Red Sea. He never thought that. Not once did he ever think, I'm going to part the Red Sea. No, he stuck out his rod in faith because he believed that God would part the Red Sea. He believed that God would do what he couldn't do. I'm going to do the possible, and God's going to do the impossible. I'm going to do what I can do, and God's going to do what I can't do. And that's faith. And then when he stuck out his rod, God sent the wind, divided the Red Sea. The nation of Israel walked through. And if you read that story, it is so amazing. Because when the Egyptians followed them, the water consumed them and destroyed them. So in in a matter of days, a couple things happened. God broke the back. I want you to think about the children of Israel. They kept the Passover, the Bible says, by faith. And God delivered them. He broke the stronghold of the enemy. They killed a lamb, they wiped the blood, and they ate a meal. And the only thing different about doing that, they killed thousands of lambs, they had got blood on their hands many times, and they had ate thousands of meals. The only thing different is that this time they did it in faith. Everybody was touching Jesus, but one person had faith that when they touched him, they'd be healed. And when the nation of Israel kept the Passover by faith, they did something they had always done before. They killed a lamb, they wiped some blood, they ate a meal. And when the death angel passed through and killed all the Egyptians firstborn, that night, listen to me, that night there was weeping in Egypt. And the next morning, you know what happened? The next morning, 400 years. America has only existed for, somebody told me, I think 245. Somebody know that off the top of your head? 47? 245. More than 240 years. We'll go with that. America's only existed for over 240 years. For 400 years, the the Israelites had been in Egyptian bondage. Now, I want you to think about that. That means that nobody alive, nobody alive remembered being free. 400 years they had been slaves. 400 years they had lived under oppression. 400 years they had been told when to get up and when to go to bed, what to do and how to do every single day of their life. You talk about a stronghold. 
by the enemy 400 years, and in one night, it was broken. And not only did God break the stronghold of Egypt off them, but the next day, the Bible says the Egyptians gave them all their silver and gave them all their gold. They spoiled the Egyptians. They said, take all of our silver, take all of our gold, and get out of here and never come back. And then they come to the Red Sea. God says, Moses, stick out your rod. Moses does what he's done a thousand times, except this time he had an expectation of faith. And God parted the Red Sea. And then, and then the greatest military force on the planet was destroyed in one day by water. Imagine if a week earlier you'd walked into the general of Pharaoh's army and said, hey, general, I just want to let you know next week uh, I'm going to destroy all of your army and uh, the weapon we're going to use is water. We're going to kill you with water. We're going to destroy the strongest military force on the planet with water. He'd have laughed at you. But a week later, when Moses stuck out his rod in faith, and God parted the Red Sea and that army walked through and God closed them up and they were extinguished in a day because that's what faith does. Look at that last point on your outline. I want you to see this. You don't have to do the impossible. You just have to believe that God can. You don't have to do the impossible. You just have to believe that God can. Small faith moves mountains and nothing is impossible to you because nothing is impossible with God. Mark eleven twenty three and 24 says this, for surely I say to you, whosoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Mark eleven twenty four. I tell you, you can pray for anything. King James says, whatever you desire, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. You can pray for anything. And if you believe you've received it, it will be yours. I want you just to bow your heads today. You don't have to do the impossible. You just have to believe that God can. And all it takes is a mustard seed of faith for you to believe today that God can do what you can't do. So I want to do this. We're getting ready to close. We've got just a couple minutes, and we've got to make room for our next service. But here it is. I want you to hear me today. All it takes is a mustard seed of faith. That's all it takes, a mustard seed. I want to ask you today, what's your heart's desire? What is your heart's desire this morning? What is it right now? Just go ahead and picture it in your mind. What is your heart's desire? Because God said that whatever you desire, when you pray, believe you've received it. What's your heart's desire today? If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Keith, I believe that I can receive by faith today my heart's desire. I believe I can receive it right now by faith. I believe that God is able. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I believe that God can do anything. And I believe I can receive today what God has for me. If that's you, just stand up. I believe I can receive my heart's desire right now. I believe I can receive it. Just stand to your feet right now. Right now, I'm just going to stand up. I believe I can receive. Right now, I'm just going to extend my faith. God, I believe I can receive. You said, God, that whatsoever I desire, 
that when I pray, I can ask for anything, God. And if I believe I receive it, it'll be done. So, God, I believe I receive right now. God, I just stand in faith with every person right now that's standing. God, we believe we receive it in the name of Jesus. We believe we receive. Father, every miracle, every promise. Father, we believe we receive our heart's desires right now. God, we can't do the impossible, but we believe you can. And by faith, we stand today, believing and receiving that promise. Now, if you're here as these remain standing just for another moment, maybe you're here this morning, you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I've never really been saved. I've never been born again. I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I want to do that today. I want to pray to accept Christ this morning. If that's you, if you're seated, just, just raise your hand right now. If you're seated or standing and you want to accept Christ today as your Lord and Savior, you've never been saved, but today you want to receive that gift. If that's you, just raise your hand. Raise it high. Our ushers want to put a packet in your hand, and I want to pray with you specifically this morning if that's you today. Because there's saving grace today. You can be saved. You can be forgiven. And you can be free today. If that's you, just raise your hand. Raise it high. Today I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you're watching online, maybe you're raising your hand where you're at right now. I want to just pray this prayer as we prepare to close. Father, I thank you today for saving grace. And Lord, today we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And we receive his forgiveness and his grace. God, by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ today, we receive the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. And Father, I agree with every person that's standing in person and online today. Every person that's standing in faith for their heart's desire, God, I agree with them today. We touch and agree. And Lord, you declare that nothing's impossible. So we celebrate that this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. Amen.